And I went back and read this journal and it was just crazy to me how different of a space I was in last year than this year and, mm-hmm. and how burnt out I truly was. Like I, in reading some of the pages, I was writing things like, I just feel so isolated. I feel mm-hmm. so like, am I doing the right thing? Am I the right person for this job? Am I doing right by my team? Just a lot of questions and yeah. a lot of feeling like I'm failing. Hello, and welcome to Wind Down, Build Up, the podcast giving you the tea and the tools to succeed in business. I'm Tabitha Solomon. And I'm KJ Miller. Today on the show, we're talking about burnout. Okay, burnout. Who in 2020 is not burned out? Please tell me that. Riddle me that. Seriously. (laughs) You know, it's one of those things where I think a lot of us have been like dying to work from home. But what are the consequences of people having way more meetings than they had? Because you can't just turn around and talk to the person sitting next to you. Um, People are just working around the clock, trying to reinvent themselves and come up with new ways of managing and operating their business. So, yeah, I can raise my hand and say I've definitely been on the brink of burnout on several occasions this year. Yes, burnout is real. And I think there was this quote going around Twitter for a while that I think resonated with a lot of us which was we aren't working from home we are living at work Ooh. and that I think wow <laughs> wow I mean and it's true right because now all of a sudden we don't have the same sort of like line of demarcation That's between right. work and home and it feels like you can always be on you can always fire up your computer you know and and shoot out an email or jump on a zoom you know all of these things so you know i think it feels like you have to be available all the time and i think burnout is real and and it's definitely the case that burnout in startups and then we'll get into this um has always been a little bit higher than just sort of like corporate america you see people burning out at a faster rate because startups you know burn bright <laughs> you do yeah. a lot so Absolutely. i think i think it's an important topic i'm, I'm excited to get into some some personal stories and also to talk through some tools. Absolutely. Same here. And before we do, we're going to encourage you to pause just for a second. And if you're listening to us on Spotify, click that follow button. That allows you to get notifications anytime a new episode comes out. And episodes come out weekly. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star rating. That does wonders in helping us bring more stories and conversations to you. Okay, well, I'm excited to jump into the tea. And you know, I thought for this week, we could do something a little different. Usually during the tea, we're bringing you guys stories, you know, ripped from the headlines or, you know, (laughs) stories from around town. But I thought for this week, we could get a little bit more personal and maybe just talk about some of our personal burnout stories, whatever, you know, we're comfortable sharing. Um, But because burnout is so real and it's something that sometimes you feel like you've got to figure out on your own, I thought it might be nice to just sort of like share stories. Um, So I'm happy to jump off if you want, or I'm happy to pass it to you. You jump off, let me know. 
yeah, go right ahead and I have stories for days. So I'll jump <laughs> in right after you. <laughs> well, you know, you and I had been talking about burnout separately um, last week. And I, it's so funny. I'm in the process of moving and I found my journal from last year. And let me tell you something. I am not an everyday journaler. I think I journaled for like a month and a half last last mm-hmm. summer. Mm-hmm. And the reason I started doing it was because I had spoken to like a counselor who I was feeling super anxious and who, and who suggested it, who suggested kind of like getting my thoughts out at the end of the day. So I did. And I went back and read this journal and it was just crazy to me how different of a space I was in last year than this year and, mm-hmm. and how burnt out I truly was. Like I, in reading some of the pages, I was writing things like, I just feel so isolated. I feel Mm -hmm. so like, am I doing the right thing? Am I the right person for this job? Am I doing right by my team? Just a lot of questions and a lot of feeling like I'm failing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just like every journal entry was basically like, am I failing at this? Should I just quit? Should I give up? You know, I feel so alone. I feel so isolated. I don't feel like I have the energy. Like one day, I had this breakdown and it was, um, I remember, I, I forget where I was going, but I was in Union Square in New York. I got off the train. I was headed to something, some meeting, some something. And I was walking through Union Square Park to get wherever I was going. And I like completely broke down and like started crying and just was like, I don't, I don't even think I can go to this meeting because I was just in such a anxious, depressed state and feeling like, what do I do? You know, <laughs> like, yeah. like, what, like, what do I do? And, um, and I ended up calling, I feel very fortunate. So we, our HR is run through JustWorks. Um, and, you know, they handle HR for a lot of startups and, and different companies. And they have a hotline, an employee, I think they call it like employee health, employee wellness hotline that you can call 24 hours a day. And it's sort of meant for these moments when you just need like, emergency therapy, emergency counselor. Mm -hmm. And so I called the number and spoke to this woman while I was walking through the park. Mind you, it was like a bajillion degrees outside. So I was hot and I was sweating and I was crying and I was on the phone with this woman. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are people around me just like, what is going on with this girl? But it was just, and I wrote about it in my journal later, like, yeah, I had my first, like, I think what I would call like mental breakdown because Mm. I just like, I couldn't take it anymore yeah um and so you know when I think about how I felt for most of 2019 and how different differently I feel this year I do think there are a lot of things that I've worked to change to get here um one of the most important being getting a therapist and making that decision to say like I am going to get a therapist I don't know exactly what it's going to do I don't know exactly what we're going to talk about but I'm going to get one. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. that has been so, so helpful to me um, and helped me disconnect in ways that I really needed to from Minted, but also disconnect from thinking that, that I was defined by Minted, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, that's just a little bit of 2019. I won't get into all of the gory details, but it really was tough. And I just hope anyone listening who's been there or feels like they are there knows like there is another side to it but talking to other people particularly 
if you can, talking to like a licensed therapist, I think is a really helpful way to get to the other side. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And thank you so much, KJ, for just being so uh, open, honest and vulnerable, right? About that breakdown and the steps you took to kind of, you know, rebound from that tough time. Um, so for our listeners and even, hey, for my selfish um, desire to know, like, how did you go about finding your therapist and how often do you talk to him or her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I feel really grateful to Amanda, my co-founder, because she did a lot of the legwork to find a Black female therapist when she was searching for one. Um, and, and that was really important to her. And so when I wanted a therapist, it was important to me that me and Amanda did not have the same therapist. Yeah. I didn't think that was healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was like, hey, if if your therapist has any recommendations for other Black female therapists, mm-hmm. can you let me know? And she did. And she got back to Amanda that same day. Amanda texted me her info same day. Um, and that's who I connected with. And for me, a lot of people don't understand a lot of not, first of all, all black women understand why you might want a black women therapist, (laughs) but a lot of non-black women don't understand that. And so let me just say for any of our non-black, um, listeners, so much of the stress and the trauma of being a founder and really of just being a person in America really is informed by being black in this country and in particular being a black woman in this country and you can't divorce those two things so for me and i've had therapists who weren't black women but to me i didn't want to have to explain that part of it it's like i wanted to be able to come to therapy and just explain everything i'm feeling and have the person on the other side know oh she's not just feeling this because like this investor said xyz she's feeling this because this investor said xyz And she's a black woman who gets, you know, this sort of bullshit thrown at her day in, day out, Mm -hmm. right? And that's the unspoken part that's very understood. So it was important for me. It's not important for everybody. But thankfully, Amanda did have that connect. um, And so I was able to find someone really quickly. That's really smart. I feel like the best way to find uh, a service provided for any area of your life is through a referral. So the fact that you have someone in your life that you trust who has a therapist that is performing at a high level, who can get your referral, that's always the best way. So it's amazing you were able to do that. And how often are you speaking to your therapist now? Um, so in the beginning, we were meeting every other week. We just recently, like in the last month, moved to once a month. Okay. And that's like with the understanding that right now I'm good with once a month, but if I ever need to pick back up, we can pick back okay, up. Okay, great. Great. That's fantastic. You know, my story is slightly different. I've had multiple times where I was like, fuck this, I'm over it. (laughs) Like like multiple. But, you know, I think one that's like the most uh, memorable for me is like even before we launched, um, because at that point I had raised capital. Um, and so that immediately increased the stakes for me and the pressure because, uh, like some of the investors were friends, you know, and people who believed in me and probably, you know, that was like, it's not like they're super rich and can like, just give me money. It's because they really believe in what I was to do when I'm trying to build. So there's that pressure. Um, I think there was also this idea of, 
you know, I hired, I mishired my first hire, you know, um, she oversold her competency and consistently under delivered. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll talk about this later on, but like this whole idea of delegating, I would delegate and the output would just always be so inferior that I found myself often having to redo the work myself. And so Mm -hmm. I remember calling you saying like, I don't know what to do because I can't get us to launch by myself, but she's like, if she's supposed to be carrying like 40% of the weight and I'm supposed to be carrying 60% of the weight, it's more like 80, 85 me, you know? Um, Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. that was just like, I was, you know, when you're a founder that lean that early, you're already doing three jobs instead of one. So adding that extra job on top of that, or it was extra two jobs, it was just like, it was so, it just weighed on me so much. And it was also frustrating and knowing that I knew I was paying her, you know, like a competitive salary to do work in the, so there was also this, right? Like, just like this tension and, you know, sometimes becoming passive aggressive because you're like pissed that you're paying someone a salary and they're not performing at the level that you want them to, but you don't really have the luxury to just like fire them because something's better than nothing at that point. And stepping away from the business and going to hire someone else was just like a whole nother nightmare that I just wasn't ready to like take on. Um, so you have that. And then we were also, you know, um, purchasing all of our products from China. And so mm-hmm. now you have the time difference where our marketing agency was in Europe and our manufacturer in China. So I didn't have, you know, like a regular work schedule where I could be off at like six or seven. I was working mm-hmm. to 12 and to one all the time and still getting up early, you know, to work, talk to like our European folks. And so there was literally no time that I was off the clock. I didn't have any time that was just for me. You know, I I felt like I was a slave to the company, you know, which is a horrible place to be at. Um, And, you know, honestly, I just pushed through, pushed through, pushed through until we launched. And then it was like, we launched. And instead of having like my tank on F on full, I was on E for our launch. Mm -hmm. That is never where (laughs) you want to be, you know? Right, and right, it's a right. terrible situation where like you're dreading getting out of bed because you're like, oh, I know once I get out of bed, like I have to be on from, you know, as soon as my feet hit the ground to like my eyes shut and nothing is for me anymore. You know, like everything is for this company. Um, and that is just no way to live. You know, yeah, it, it really yeah. isn't. Um, and so um, I, I've worked with a number of therapists. Um, the one I, I work with now, she's more focused on relationships and business. And so I'm actually actively looking for one who could be a bit more holistic. But, you know, I, I found a therapist similar to you at that time. Um, and it was nice to have like a safe space to kind of like bitch and moan, essentially, you know, <laughs> and to air my grievances. Um, and also like not feel judged for feeling this way. Cause some people might feel like you're, it, it might come across entitled that this is my problem, you know, like, yeah. you know, and I'm like, you know, a lot of people would love to the ability to like quit their job and go all in on something they're passionate about, you know, right, and right. have the financial means to do that, you know? Right. Well, I think that's another big part of founder burnout is you are, 
living your dream and living in many ways a dream that's inaccessible to so many people, right? Where you are getting to be your own boss, build this brand, Mm -hmm. hire people, fire people, all these things that plenty of people in their lifetime will never get to do. And so you feel guilty when you don't wake up every day feeling like this is the best thing ever, you know, like, and then that guilt is just another thing that's eating away at you. Yeah. But you know, for me, ultimately it was finding some delineation between work and my personal life that helped me like start to come back to life. So I started working out more regularly, uh, you know, just a constant, like three, four times a week, you know, where it's like, that started to feel like sacred time for me. You know, I would go on long walks where I would listen to audible books, you know, um, whether they're about my faith or, you know, about building my business. It just felt like it was my time, you know? And it was like between the workouts and the walks and listening. And then I started like, you remember like the success hacks on social media where I was trying to like create, you know, posts that I was hoping would help you know, people who are trying to build generational wealth, like it was just something that wasn't the business, you know, mm-hmm. and it felt mm-hmm. like I started to come back to life once I had like hobbies that were beyond the business um, yeah. and it allowed me to be a better leader at the end of the day. And so, yeah, yeah. that's a little bit about my personal journey with burnout and yeah. how I came back from it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you also for being candid um, and, and vulnerable and, and sharing that. I do think it's so important. And I think, you know, founders, so often we get into this trap of needing to always portray how well we're doing, mm-hmm. how successful mm-hmm. we are, how strong we are as leaders. And all of that's important, but I think it's also important to recognize this journey that we're on is so difficult um, and, and how we're addressing the, the really difficult parts of it. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's, a great transition into our tools for the week. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we read through a couple articles um, looking at the issue of burnout, both from the, um, both from the perspective of founders and employees. Mm-hmm. And since we just spent a fair amount of time on us as founders, I thought first we could look at employee burnout. And one of the articles we read through is from Harvard Business Review. And I thought the title of this article was really interesting. It's titled, employee burnout is a problem with the company not the person I thought that was a title you would have written (laughs) um, (laughs) no that is the official HBR (laughs) article title Um, and I thought that was really interesting because as soon as I read it and thought about it I was like you know that that is mostly true Mm -hmm. that is mostly true Mm -hmm. so they outline a few things in this article that we can talk about they say the culprit the top three culprits of employee burnout one is excessive collaboration. I'm sure a lot of people who listen will will agree either they've worked at a company or they've seen this play out where all of a sudden you have so many decision makers and so many people who have to meet, so many meetings that have to get done before a decision is made that that really can decrease productivity and, and lead to burnout. The second thing they talk about is weak time management discipline. So by that, they mean like, it's not easy for an employee to manage their time because these things that are put on their calendar, they don't have any control over. So all of a sudden, instead of like getting to say, okay, this is my day, I want to get this done and this done, they don't have any control over that or any real way to manage it. And then the third thing they talk about 
is overloading the most capable people on the mm-hmm. team. And I've definitely seen this happen. I have been guilty of this. So those are three of the things that this article talks about. I thought we could get into more detail, but then also just in our experience, what we've seen with our employees um, or what we've tried with our employees when we have seen them burning out. So I guess with that said, um, do you want to jump in on any one of these three or, or I'm happy yeah, to dive in know, as well? For me, I think about the t-shirts I've seen that says that meeting could have been an email. <laughs> <laughs> I love that meme of Viola Davis grabbing her purse, rolling her eyes and walking out the office. Cause that's what I think of when I'm like, when the email, when the meeting could have been an email yes. and it's just her rolling her eyes <laughs> and walking out. Yes. We have all been there. Yes. So for me, I feel like that is one of the biggest time sucks. You know, um, I remember my time at Google, I, I would get so frustrated because I would arrive to the office and my first meeting would be at eight thirty, and My last meeting would be at four thirty, and I would like block off 30 minutes for lunch. And it was like this for like a couple of months. And I was like, when am I supposed to actually get the work done, right? Like, right. when am I supposed to send follow-up emails and deliver all the things I've promised and be able to build these decks if I'm in meetings from 8.30 to 4.30? Um, and so I started doing a couple of things differently. One is I got infamous because I would block off my calendar from like 2 to 4.30 every day. And all it said is GSD. What do you think GSD means? Well, I know because you told me that GSD. Because <laughs> I literally would get emails from people saying like, hey, I saw there's like GSD on your counter. Can I, can I like take some time from that? I'm like, no. And they're like, what is it? I was like, get shit done. <laughs> you know? Like that is my get shit done time. And it's sacred because I want to make sure that like I'm actually delivering on the promises that I've made in my morning meetings. And sometimes that takes time and thought and work to get there. And the other thing is thinking a lot about like, I, it, like nine times out of 10, I will start to draft something as an email. If it starts to feel too long, or if I'm noticing there's too much back and forth, then it graduates to a meeting. But my first inclination is not to sit like, oh, I need to ask someone this five minute question. Uh, let me put a 30 minute meeting on their calendar. It is right. no, it's a Slack message. It is a Google meets uh, like ping. Uh, it is an email. And only if there's too much back and forth chatter or there's visuals that are required, et cetera, does it move up to the, the to merit an actual meeting. So that's one major thing to just get time back. Own that, own your time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, and as, as founders, as managers, because I think this is what they talk about with the weak time management disciplines, I think we have to enable our team to be able to own their time. And so one thing I did, and I think I've talked about this on a prior episode. One thing I did earlier this summer was a work audit where I went team member by team member, one-on-one and said, walk me through everything that's on your plate, yep. like everything that you own. And then at the end of that, I said, okay, um, now tell me the things that are on your plate that you think like you need help with, or that you think I spend too much time on this, like it needs to go or this is unnecessary. And that was so helpful because I was then able to move certain things off of people's plates. There were some things I just completely got rid of. I was like, you know what, you're right. We don't need to be doing that that often. Um, and or meetings or, or there were um, different tasks, some reporting that I was like, you know what, you're right. This reporting is kind of redundant to this reporting. 
let's just do it here, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, because it's easy for things to just sort of add on. And if you're never revisiting, then it's just like, they just add on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think to your point, it's, it's one thing to just block a calendar and say, get shit done. It's another thing to um, empower your employees to say, yes, actually, I would love to review my work because there are these two things that like I consistently am doing every week or these two meetings I'm consistently going to every week that I know we could finish over email or yeah. I know, you know, could be done in 30 minutes instead of 60, whatever it is, like giving your team the ability to have that, um, have that say and that ownership over their calendars can be really helpful. Yes, absolutely. And one other thing I would add is I think it's important for that behavior to be modeled at the top. Right. So if people look at my counter now at my company's dash camp and they see that from 830 to like 730, I'm in back to back meetings, there might be this unspoken for that. They should also be working, you know, an excessive amount of meetings. But if they see that I've blocked out designated time, you know, in the afternoon from, let's say, like two to six. And that's my 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 current GSD. They've seen that's, that's, that they can also create a model like that where it's like they've created a sacred time where like this is dedicated to them getting their work done, you know? Right, right. Um, so I think it's important if, you know, in regards to this article where it's like essentially it's a, the employee burnout is with a problem with the company, then I think the leadership also has to model the behavior to really empower the associates and the employees to know that they can do something similar. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Completely agree. Um, Well, another thing I would say um, with regards to employee burnout is, you know, it does go a long way to just acknowledge that your team might be feeling burnt out Mm. and then to, and then to have a give, right. And it doesn't have to be something big. Like obviously there are companies as rich as Google that maybe they can send their whole team to like Palm Springs. (laughs) Um, Right. But if you're a startup, like it's, it can be enough to say, we know you guys have been so burnt out. That's why we're giving everyone this Friday off. Mm -hmm. Or that's why, you know, we've sent you all, um, we sent everyone on the team chocolates um, during the summer from Harlem Chocolate Factory. It's just a nice gift. There was no reason. It wasn't, you know, it was just like, hey, here's, here's chocolates. We like this place. We like supporting Harlem business. Like do something small, but acknowledge the burnout, yeah. right? So that it's like, hey, I know you're working hard. I'm so appreciative. We do think things are going to get a bit easier after this launch or after this quarter or whatever it may be. However, we appreciate you giving me your all. Here's a thank you. Yeah. You know, because sometimes part of what burns you out is just feeling like you're not being acknowledged. Yeah, absolutely. And one other thing I will add is that I have a, a good friend who is constantly saying this quote to me as I'm like, I just have so much that I'm juggling. And he reminds me, you know, look, Tabitha, we're all juggling a ton of stuff and probably juggling too many balls. The, the, the magic and what you need to be cognizant of is you can drop the plastic balls, but you can never drop the glass balls. So in that analogy, there's going to be some things you can't drop, right? Like if it's mm-hmm. like your biggest, for us, right? Like my biggest client, I can't miss a deadline because I'm overwhelmed with things that I have to get done, right? Yeah. But yeah. I might have to miss a, a, you know, a, a one-on-one meeting or something else that could be scheduled. And that's considered a plastic ball because they won't have like 
drastically negatively impact the business. So I think that's been really helpful also because a lot of times your junior people won't know what's plastic and what's glass. Like that's Mm -hmm. really for the organization and for the leaders to be able to delineate and call that out for the more junior people. Yeah, agreed. I think that's a really helpful analogy. And I think to your point around helping the junior team members prioritize, sometimes it is, it, it does come back to sort of like checking in and just saying like, all right, tell me what's on your plate right now. So that then you can go through it with them and say like, okay, based on that, I really want you to prioritize this and this. You can push back, like, let's push back the deadline on these two things. It's not as important. And eventually they'll probably start to get a sense of like, here's what needs to be prioritized. Here's what I can push. But when they're early on, they're just going to try and do everything. That's right. right? Like, that's right. That's what they're going to try and do, mm-hmm. even if they can't get it all done. Right. So I think that's a really, I think that's a really good point. Um, and I do want to touch on this last point um, that they make in the article about overloading your most capable employee, because that is definitely something we've been guilty of at Minted. I think probably everyone everywhere has been yeah, guilty of this. When you sure. when you have a rock star on the team and you know, like, I can count on this person, they're going to get it done. Of course, you want to put more stuff on that person than on other people, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. like, and not only are you putting more stuff on them, but then other people on the team realize like, oh, this person knows stuff. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) then they're going to that person for extra training or, you know, let me just run this by them or let me figure out what what they think. And all of a sudden, this rock star is burnt out because everybody's turning to them for everything. Um, And I think what one thing that I've learned, um, because we sort of were dealing with this recently, actually, with one of our employees is sometimes that means like, you just haven't done a good enough job training other people. Mm -hmm. Like if this person is the only person who gets it or the only person you feel like, (laughs) you know, can get it all done, then you really have to ask like, well, have I done a good enough job training everyone else? Because some people just get it naturally and they don't need a lot of training. Right. And, and that's what makes them rock stars. But at the, at the same time, you can't just not train people. Mm-hmm. You can't just, you know, like be like, oh, you don't get it. Okay, well, let me go over here <laughs> to this person. So sometimes I think it is a question of like looking at yourself and asking yourself, honestly, have I spent the time with these other people to get them up to the speed that this employee's at? And if I haven't, that's on me, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. Okay, well, do you want to dive into um, some articles around founder burnout yeah. and just touch on some tips and tools there? Yeah, let's do it. So one article that I liked um, was from this founder of a company called Buffer, which I wasn't as familiar with, um, but she actually wrote a pretty long, detailed article um, in Fast Company. Um, because she had like a real burnout situation and ended up having to take, um, I'm sorry, I'm calling her a she, it's a he. I was going to say, had, ended up... I thought it was a dude, but okay. <laughs> no, I just, I just, you know, I'm just misgendering people. That's on me. His name is Joel. He founded Buffer um, and he had a really intense burnout in 2017, ended up stepping away from the company for six weeks um, because he needed to recharge. And he sort of details all of this in fast company. Um, so I thought it was nice to sort of read a firsthand experience of it. Um, and then he had some tips at the end about like things that he recommends. So 
The first of which was creating a habit of disconnecting and taking one true vacation a year. And that I thought was really important because like I go on little three-day weekend trips all the time. And during that time, I will be mostly disconnected. Like if I take Friday off, I try not to be on my phone, but of course I'm going to check in. I'm going to, you know, and it's only three days, you know, so in two of those days would have been the weekend anyway. That is not a true vacation. And I think the point he's making is like, no, book a week, book a week and a half, whatever it is, and actually disconnect from your business. And to be truthful, I haven't done that yet with Minted, but I'm really, really going to try it. Like 2021 is going to be my year to actually actually disconnect from Minted. Yeah. No, it's true. Like I started this company, you know, I guess I quit, I should say I quit Google February of 2019. And, you know, when I worked my corporate job, you've earned vacation days. So you feel like you don't want to lose them. So at least for me, I will take my vacation, you know, I know that's right. Right. Uh, and so I feel like now the stakes just feel so high running my own company. And I'm afraid if I walk away from like just a week, like, it feels like no progress will be made, you know, that I will mm-hmm. be the bottleneck, you know, we might miss a big opportunity. And so I'm psyching myself out, but I'm by not taking this vacation for, you know, approaching two years, like, again, like it's, it is essentially why I feel like I've been on the cusp of burnt out, burnout a couple of times. And so I yeah. can't be a good CEO if I'm not recharged and fully present to give my team you know, like the best version of myself. So I think that's yeah. great advice. And you know what? I I think what I'm going to do, and I've been kind of like do, uh, noodling on this idea we should take a vacation, is maybe I'll do something for New Year's this year. Mm, I like that. That's a good, that's a good commitment. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and I think to your earlier point about modeling, like if you never really disconnect, your employees are going to think that they can't disconnect. That's right. Either. That's right. Um, another point that he makes that I think is important is, and you talked about this earlier, having a hobby that gets you to disconnect. Um, and I basically had no hobbies mm-hmm. for the first three years of Minted, not really besides like going out and drinking. Um, <laughs> and so this year, again, thinking about the things that make this year different from last year, one was getting a therapist, two was I developed a hobby of playing piano, just sitting at my piano nice. and singing, picking up different songs. Um, and so when I just need a break, I just, I literally like go over to, I say piano, it's a keyboard that I got for like $60 on Craigslist. I go over to my keyboard and I, you know, bang out some tunes and like, not because I'm so great at it, but because like, it's just something I enjoy doing. So I think that has helped in ways that, and it's not like I did it because I was trying to avoid burnout. I just did it because I realized like, man, that'd be kind of nice to have a keyboard, you yeah, know, <laughs> like, what? like, why don't I like mm-hmm. have music in my life anymore when it used to be so important to me? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I do think that's super important. Yeah. And you know, the other interesting thing is like, I have to imagine that for like your boyfriend or your husband, or your partner, um, like having something to connect with them on, you know, whether it's, uh, it's going out for a hike or, you know, like it's music or doing something. It also allows you to connect with people, you know, and I mm-hmm. guess it could, it could just be a friend, you know, having a hobby mm-hmm. where 
it's not just you. Cause I feel like for me, I spend 90% of my time with my team, you know, and I'm not really taking time to connect with people. I, I love and care and treasure, you know, my friends who are essentially the family that I've chosen, you know? And I Mm -hmm, think mm -hmm. sometimes hobbies are a way for you to connect with people who are outside of your company, which continues to like breathe in fresh and new life into you. Yeah, completely agree. Um, And then the other sort of tips he gives, one is to get a therapist, which we've gone over. Mm -hmm. And the final one was, if you're feeling burnt out and thinking about taking time off, do it, just take the time off. But importantly, do it without making plans. And this, I think, is something that is really hard for me. Like when I travel, I have an itinerary. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> like, I think it's hard for any type A personalities. Yes. It's very hard for me to not have a list of things to do. Um, but I think it's right. You know, if you really and truly are feeling burnt out, giving yourself more to do's is not going to help. Right. Like, so just take the time and figure out what makes sense for you to do as you're doing it, you know, like as the day comes, like what do you wake up and feel like doing that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, It's just one of those things you got to listen to your intuition. You got to listen to your body, you know, like your body is not feeling like giving out, you know, just for fun is doing that because it's on the brink of a burnout, you know, and if you can catch Mm -hmm. it before the burnout happens, you can kind of like implement some of these tips here. But if you keep pushing through, like even though your body's saying it's about to shut down, that's how you really injure yourself. Well, I, I, unless there are other tips you want to share, I feel like we've really touched on a lot and I'm, I'm super hopeful that it's helpful to people. Yeah, I mean, like you said, 2020 has been a very special year, right? Where we can't really delineate work at home. Can you say that quote you said earlier on the conversation? (laughs) Yes, we aren't working from home. We're living at work. Wow, wow. And I I really do hope this conversation allows people to uh, not allow that to be their situation, right? Because I think a lot of us, myself included, have fallen into I'm living at work. You know, and by creating boundaries, you know, by creating habits, you know, that are not in front of the computer in the same workspace, by having a therapist where you can, like, uh, you know, think through, like, how do you structure your day or air your grievances? By doing some of these things, you can prevent yourself from burning out. Absolutely. Well, all right, guys, that's it for this week. Hope you enjoyed the conversation and got something out of it. And if you're loving the show, stop right now, hit subscribe and give us a five-star rating. And of course, tell a friend. And if you have a topic that you would love for us to dive into, or if you're interested in a sponsorship opportunity, simply send us an email at winddownbuildup at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Cheers.